Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more... Right now, you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Welcome to Special Teams, a production of iHeartRadio. Inside special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon as we take another look at a very big game in NFL history and the special teams who played it. Part of our run here where uh, Mike Harmon and I, I'm Jason Smith, uh, looking back at some big games in NFL and other sports history and those special teams that play in it. And today we look back at the game that really closed the greatest show on turf, one of the big playoff games of the past 20 years, January 10th, 2004, when the Carolina Panthers beat the St. Louis Rams 29-23 in double overtime, the big Steve Smith touchdown catch in OT doing it or in double overtime doing it. And that really was the the official end of the greatest show on turf, even though Kurt Warner was not the quarterback and Dick Vermeil was not the head coach. So much craziness uh, at that time, right? The era flopping over Mike Martz, uh, a guy with the genius tag uh, until he really kind of became the head coach. Uh, and then that kind of waned pretty fast, a lot of fights. Uh, and then years upon years of futility, uh, for this Rams franchise, it's almost the went down to the crossroads, made the deal with the devil, yeah. and now the devil, uh, you know, like paid up in that double overtime loss. So what happens when you get front loaded deals, man? It just don't work. You know, those front loaded. Hey, it's great, but I want to get out of this front loaded deal. No, no, no. You still got to pay Johnny Damon, even when he's not playing for you anymore. That's, That's how it, it works. So how did each team get to this legendary playoff game? Carolina was extremely solid in 2003. It was a career year for Jake DeLome at quarterback. Steven Davis and Deshaun Foster were that sledgehammering running game. Moosin Muhammad was effective. You had Chris Jenkins and Mike Rucker and Julius Peppers on a dominant defensive line. Look, they went from 7-9 and nine in 2002 to 11-5 and five in 2003. Nobody thought they'd be this good. Nobody thought Jake DeLome was this good, but this is one of those years where that offense, everything came together at once and remember just how effective Davis and Deshaun Foster were and I thought these guys are going to run rush it over the NFL for years well and that's just it Stephen Davis was a guy who had a very brief 
tremendous run in the National Football League. I mean, 1,400-plus yards rushing in, in this particular season, and he was a horse, man. But it was the question of, well, how long can that roll? Much like we ask that question of any running back who touches the ball 300 times in a year. It's like, yeah, uh, that was fun. It won't last. Uh, with Jake DeLome, I mean, he goes back to the year he had. 19 touchdowns, 16 interceptions, and he completed 59% of his passes. <laughs> yet, yet, threw for 3,200 yards, yeah. and they go 10-5 and five with him. Our buddy Rodney P. works over at AM570 LA Sports, uh, is, was the quarterback for one other start. So there you go. And this team went on a roll. All right. And, and look, Stephen Davis, you probably remember him as uh, the running back who got in a fist fight with Michael Westbrook on the Redskins sideline. Yeah. And, and Davis went down. It was really, really crazy. I mean, you look at so many different polls of, hey, best training camp fights in NFL history. That always comes out as number one. But you go and, and just look at what he was, though. Like, he was a beast. So, yeah, I, yeah, I wouldn't want to mess with him. Oh. He had four seasons. Four out of five years, he rushed for over 1,300 yards. Yeah, but it was still Westbrook was on top of him, pummeling him. Yeah, no, I know. He was losing the fight. I mean, well, he had better range. <laughs> yeah, right? true. He was, Davis yes. was a little more compact. He was more rangy, yeah. Yeah, so, so Westbrook had a little bit on reach, so he was able to get that shot, and that was it. Wow. So, training camp fights, we don't get that much anymore. No, we should do that, so. special teams training camp fights. I think there's plenty of them. I've I've got plenty of media member friends, as you do, that if we ask the right questions, we'll find about 40 of them. We can do that series for a whole year. Carolina goes 11 and 5. And in the NFC wildcard game, they thumped the Cowboys 29 to 10. This is when Dallas had turned it around under Bill Parcells. And it ended really fast for them here in the wildcard game. Quincy Carter, yes, he played quarterback in a playoff game for the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah, he did. He was terrible. He threw for 154 yards. Yards, got picked off, sacked three times. Dallas wasn't great, but Parcells was great. And Carolina won this game, proving how good they are, setting them up for the showdown with the St. Louis Rams. But just showing, uh, you know, the blips on the Dallas Cowboys radar. You know, you and I, as we do uh, on our show at Fox Sports Radio, having some fun of what might have been uh, in later years had LeBron James become a member of the Cowboys. Well, a lot of folks won't remember that Joey Galloway was. You're right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Just like you said with uh, Quincy Carter quarterbacking a playoff game. Yeah, you, you would not expect, I mean, Michael Bates. I mean, there's not exactly a who's who uh, along here. And Terry Glenn was part of this squad, most notably a, a member of your New England Patriots. So, yeah, some guys in different runs, uh, but went quietly into the good night here. So in front of 73,000, a big effort by the Panthers to in a route for the Rams. Well, this is where the story starts getting really good. This was the first year that Mark Bulger was their starting quarterback. This is a guy who was a sixth round pick from West Virginia in 2000, right? Uh, Kurt Warner is still in the midst of his run, first run, greatest show on turf. Everything is awesome. He's still setting passing records, and he's still the biggest success story the NFL had seen in years. Well, in the middle of 2002, Warner breaks his finger. St. Louis is off to a really bad start, and we're thinking, ah, is Kurt Warner still really this good? Jamie Martin comes in in relief of Kurt Warner, but he gets hurt. So then they turn to Bulger, and they go, okay, Bulge, save us. <laughs> yeah, great. Like, the that's going to happen. He comes in and wins six out of seven starts, and St. Louis had started 0-5, and suddenly 
whoa, Mark Bulger is pretty good. Going into 2003, Kurt Warner wins the, quote, quarterback derby, and he starts the season off. But in the opening game against the Giants, he fumbles six times. He still couldn't grip the football, was still having trouble with his finger, and this opened the door for the team to say, okay, you know what? We're going to Mark Bulger. And even though it happened, and I get it, and I get that he still had trouble, this was the end of Kurt Warner as a starting quarterback with the Rams. And it was insane to think about a guy that went to the Hall of Fame, that went to another Super Bowl years later, and his career went all kinds of crazy ways after the Rams. You thought it was done. He goes to the Cardinals, and suddenly that works out for him. But to see him lose his job after what he accomplished, I was still stunned at it. I said, I can't believe they're going to go with Mark Bulger. And then Bulger goes, and St. Louis goes 12-4 and in 2003, and it's... Well, maybe it's not Warner. Maybe it is Mike Martz's system that is doing things. Because Mike Martz at this point was the head coach of the St. Louis Rams, came in as Dick Vermeil's offensive coordinator. And look, Vermeil wins the Super Bowl. He retires. Mike Martz takes over and he's Professor Mike Martz. He's the most intelligent guy who ever stepped on a football sideline. Just ask him. And now he's the head coach. And maybe it was his system because here's a guy that was a six round pick out of West Virginia. And now he's got the team 12 and four, just like where Kurt. Warner had it. They were a streaky team, ran 12 and 4 overall. Just a couple of blips early. They're 1 and 2 out of the gate. And then out of the bye week, they're just out of, on fire where they win, what is that, 10 of 11 games before dropping the season finale. Just a, a, a tremendous run and a guy stepping into his own. But, you know, always remember that, that, that he, he got a lot of help along the way uh, beyond the super brain of Mike Martz. Well, and that's what people forget about the Rams is, you know, Kurt Warner's story got the headlines, obviously, a guy that played in in We Laugh, the World League of American Football, mm-hmm. and was bagging groceries, and here he comes and wins the Super Bowl after Trent Green gets hurt. But you look at the weapons that the Rams had. This was still Marshall Falk, Hall of Famer. Isaac Bruce, Hall of Famer. Torrey Holt, eventually, he will be a Hall of Famer. Didn't make it in his first year um, of eligibility. I mean, when, you, when your weapons are that good, if you can throw the football, you're going to do pretty well. You know, so, it, you know, Martz, you know, it's Martz's system. It's Kurt Warner, boy, Mark Bulger. But you had guys that can really go get it. And, and, and not that anybody would be good, but clearly you have a guy who was at the bottom of the back of the depth chart and Kurt Warner and this guy becomes an all pro and then he goes on to, to validate and have a great career and then you have Mark Bulger who was just a guy hoping to stay in the league and suddenly here he is and he winds up getting a big contract because he's throwing tons of touchdowns I mean when you when you have those great players around you but they really don't get the credit they deserve yes Marshall Falk gets some of it but you know Isaac Bruce and Torrey Holt no they were fantastic that's what made this team so great in that run they had yeah, I mean, Isaac Bruce is number five all-time in receiving yards. Holt sitting at 16th this particular year, almost 1,700 receiving yards for Torrey Holt and 12 touchdowns. You know, when you talk about Marshall Falk, he's also a guy that was over 1,100 total yards with 11 total touchdowns in this season. So even though that was kind of getting towards its end run, at least as constituted there, I mean, they were still putting up major points. Marshall Falk's seventh most touchdowns all time combined rushing and receiving. So uh, a lot of heavyweights and not to mention you have that big old nasty Orlando pace uh, mm. helping to anchor your O line. I mean, that's, that's, that's a nice way to go and set yourself up for some success.
So it was the Rams and the Bulge welcoming in Jake DeLome for a game. Did you like that I call him the Bulge? Like I like that. that. I'm going to get bulge. him to sign a mini helmet. He's the Bulge. Uh, and coming up next, the game itself and the way it ends, I can't believe Mike Martz wasn't fired directly after this game ended. We'll tell you why. Coming up next, it's Special Teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. This is it. We've got an Amex Platinum Pro on our hands, ladies and gentlemen. We haven't seen anyone relax like this before in the Centurion Lounge. Is he connecting to complimentary Wi-Fi? Oh, my. Look at that. He is. And you will not believe where he's going next. The Amex dedicated card member entrance for the win. Unbelievable. When you get travel perks with Amex Platinum, you're part of the action. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. It is special teams and the greatest show on turf closing thanks to the result of this game that we're going to break down right now. A double overtime win by the Panthers in St. Louis, 29-23 in January of 2004. And at the end, you're going to go, yeah, I can't believe the head coach of the Rams wasn't fired. Um, This was a back and forth game. All right. This became a very famous game uh, because of the way it ended, obviously, which we'll get to. But this game all along had huge swings of momentum. I mean, Moussa Muhammad recovered a fumble for a touchdown in the second quarter. Jeff Wilkins kicked five field goals in this game for the Rams. But overall, Carolina played better throughout. You can tell. I remember watching this game. Boy, Carolina is just better. And St. Louis is kind of lucky to hold on. They were lucky to be in it late. However, few places were as loud as the Edward Jones Dome 
home in its heyday, and the Rams find their groove late. They're down 23-12 in the fourth quarter, and you're thinking, okay, this might be it. Carolina looks like it's their time. But the Rams score 11 points in the final two and a half minutes. They score a touchdown, two-point conversion. Jeff Wilkins recovers his own onside kick. The Rams are driving. They have the ball with 155 left to go and a first down at the Carolina 25-yard line. So after this game in which the Panthers have outplayed them, suddenly St. Louis gets the momentum. They get the touchdown. They get the two-point conversion. The onside kick, everything is going well for them. The Panthers are on their heels. They're saying, what is happening to us? We were just dominating this game, and now you got two minutes to go. And the Rams have the ball on Carolina's 25-yard line. Just remember, this is where we're at right now. They're down by three. A touchdown would win this game. Two minutes to go. They got the ball on Carolina's 25-yard line. This should wind up being a touchdown, or at least you'd think the Rams would go for a touchdown in this point, which is going to bring us to Mike Morris. Well, you would think, but that's where it's the old, let's outthink the room. Let's go against logic and... Really, that became the hallmark of Martz after his run as a head coach. That He carried that back with him to coordinator when he should have just been worried about calling plays. Uh, like I said, he's the smartest football coach ever. Just ask him. It's true. He's got a podcast now where you can you can probably ask him uh, in in the liner notes uh, as you go through as well. But you go through the tail of the tape and just the amount of yardage and just overall dominance here. I mean, over two hundred rushing yards for Carolina. I mean, how many times you you just lean on the ball? That's it. Forty one for two sixteen. In the game, 290 passing yards, almost 500 yards of total offense. They should have been buried, Mm -hmm. but big play threats, big play opportunities, uh, and a solid, strong, and true leg over the course of a game keep you in it and give you the opportunity here to, well, try to make something happen. Although, as we know, uh, it's Mike Martz. Uh, This is where things get crazy, right? So they have the ball, 155 left. They're at Carolina's 25-yard line. Field goal sends them to overtime, but you're thinking, okay, they're going to win this game. Now, they let the clock tick, and I get that because you don't want to leave too much time on the clock for Carolina to go back downfield. After Marshall Falk runs for a first down to Carolina's 15-yard line, there's 30 seconds left, right? Plenty of time, right? Mm -hmm. You're at the 15-yard line, you have 30 seconds left, and you have a timeout, right? Carolina is on their heels. As I said, they don't know what's happening right now, and EJ Dome is going absolutely bananas. So 30 seconds left in a timeout, you think, we got plenty of time to get in the end zone here. We're going to be in the end zone in one play. Instead, Mike Martz lets the clock tick all the way down to three seconds so they can kick a field goal to force overtime. The crowd turns from insanity to what the hell is going on in a second. Why is Mike Martz deciding we're going to go for a field goal at this point when you can score a touchdown and win the game? I I don't understand. I don't understand how after this game was over, Mike Martz wasn't fired before he got to the uh, press conference after. Mike, I'm sorry, but that was just stupid on so many levels. What the hell are you doing? How do you stop trying to win a game? 
I mean, he says after the game, I thought we were going to go to overtime and our home crowd was going to take us through and we were going to win. Um, you had a chance to win. You had the ball in the 15-yard line. You were moving the ball well. It's not like you were throwing a bunch of picks and you had a tough time and you didn't want to make a mistake. No, you, you were playing downhill at this point. You were getting to a point where it was inevitable you were getting to the end zone. And you do the Panthers a complete favor by letting the clock tick down to three seconds left to kick a field goal. Now, Wilkins comes in and makes the field goal to force over time, but why you're doing it, I don't get it. Plus, you let the clock tick down to three seconds left. So if yeah. you have a bad snap, you can't fall on it and call timeout and then kick it again. Right? So exactly. You, so you blow that twice. And I, I really, I, Mike Martz, I, you know, you said it about outthinking each other, but this is this is just a brain cramp. I don't understand where this is out. No, the lo- we're just going to kick a field goal here. What are you crazy? Yeah, the logic fails. You've got two of the best receivers of all time, and a running back who's also a, a good receiver out of the backfield. Right? You actually threw to him uh, as part uh, of this possession to get yourself in position as you are. So, how do you not take a shot? to try to make a play, to try to get to the end zone. You know, not that you need any more room for the the field goal. It's a 33-yarder. It's a chip shot. But plenty of time, and you had you had one timeout remaining. Right? Throw a sideline route, or even if you throw it down the middle, if he's tackled short of the goal line, you've still got time to either run up and spike it if you get another first or or to call the timeout so it it makes no sense yes we thought our crowd would be behind us that doesn't like in overtime they're going to run on the field and they get to play oh yeah sorry we can put all our crowd on the field (laughs) yeah you don't get a 12th man and you know the rules of the game being what they are all it takes is losing the coin toss and a big long toss and all of a sudden, you're talking about an L off one missed play uh, with your genius of, hey, the crowd was going to have us. It really well, does really. I, <laughs> we've, I, the, you know, at the Jets, we've had some bad head coaches, but my goodness, no one's ever said anything like hey, this. Hey, no, man, I'm, I'm a Chicago guy. I've, oh. I've seen, I think, probably all. Uh, every permutation of bad clock management and down and distance that you can possibly measure, uh, this one would rate right, right alongside them. And, you know, the funny thing about it is that getting the two-point conversion turned out to be the worst thing for the Rams because they get the two-point conversion to cut the lead to three, so they need a field goal. If they don't get the two-point conversion, they need a touchdown. What likely happens, they get in the end zone and they win the football game. I mean, it's crazy, but you, if you had failed and not gotten the two-point conversion, you could have overcome the fact that your coach just had a complete brain cramp. But you got the two-point conversion. That was the worst thing for you. So this game goes to overtime, and this is where, if you thought that was crazy, this is where things get amped up another level. Both teams miss field goals in overtime. John Casey, Panthers kicker, misses from 45 yards out. And Jeff Wilkins, who, you know, hey, He'd made five in this game. Uh, I had him in fantasy this year, I remember. He was so good for me. I won a championship. I was like, Jeff, I think he kicked three field goals in the final week for me. And I was like, yay, Jeff Wilkins. Um, he missed, Kickers, man. He misses from 53 yards. All right. Now, late in the first overtime, the Rams are driving. And here comes a huge play. They had a first down at Carolina's 38-yard line. So, already with... Wilkins missing one from 53. You get a little bit closer. He's not going to miss again. The guy was that good this year. They had first down to Carolina's 38-yard line. 
and Mark Bulger makes a play that I've seen it now, again, going back at it a few times going, I don't understand what he was doing. And it clearly showed that he and Torrey Holt were not on the same page when it came to freelancing. Bulger drops back in the pocket. He hesitates and he buys some time. He's going to throw out to Torrey Holt, who is wide open. Torrey Holt is wide open at a, a little bit inside the 30-yard line. He's going to catch a pass, and, and it's going to be now a 47-yard field goal if they don't gain another yard, right? This is going to be very easy because Holt is wide open. There's nobody on him. Mm-hmm. Instead of throwing it to him because Torrey Holt is expecting, throw me the football, I'm wide open, he points Holt to go outside. And I think you, I watched Torrey Holt going, I don't know what he means. He wants me to run outside. And what I get what Bulger was trying to go for is that he's thinking if you run outside, I can hit you with this pass, and it's not just going to be the 30-yard line. You're going to get another 8 to 12 yards, and suddenly now we're in easy field goal range because that part of the field was open. Mm-hmm. But it was clear that Torrey Holt didn't know what he wanted to do. So Bulger hesitates, and what this does is this gives Ricky Manning Jr. the chance to come in and make a play. So when Torrey Holt doesn't run outside, Bulger kind of throws it a little bit outside of where Torrey Holt is standing right there. And instead, Manning comes in and closes the gap because of the hesitation. And he reaches up, snatches it, and pulls it in for an interception. That was a tremendously awful decision by Mark Bulger. You know, that's where, you know, take the eight to nine yards, right? You just gotten a first down. Take mm-hmm. the eight to nine yards. Instead, you got greedy. And clearly, you and Torrey Holt weren't at that point where I get what my quarterback wants me to do. I'm going to go outside, and this is going to be a 20. 20- 25-yard play instead of a, a 8- to 12-yard play. No, that's it. The guy feeling himself. Now we're winding down towards the end of overtime, right? You had a couple of long drives uh, that went for not and those missed field goals that you mentioned earlier. So maybe feeling himself, right? The Manu Maliuna completion for 19 yards, and then Falk catches one out of the backfield for 25 yards. So chunk plays. We got them on their heels. Mm. They're not going to be able to recover. And instead... You again outthinking it on the field this time, uh, and coming up with a disastrous play that you know snuffs out that chance. That's at the one twelve mark. So this is your last possession. I mean that that's it of this overtime period, and and failed in a big way. Because look, even if you were tackled right at that spot, I mean it's a makeable field goal because we've seen uh, him hit from that distance earlier. So Bulger had a pretty good game. He threw for 330 yards, but he did throw three picks, and this one clearly was the most damaging. Uh, I mean, and th- I mean, this one, this was took the air out of the sails in the Edward Jones Dome, and now suddenly it's the Panthers' football, and now you can you can tell, all right, maybe this is where the Panthers can finally put the Rams away because the Rams have now had a couple of chances and they blew it. They settled for the field goal at the end of regulation, all through a very tough overtime. Both teams missed field goals. We're getting to the end of of, of the first overtime. Hey, the Panthers get a pick. They have pretty good field position, so maybe now this is it. The last play of overtime, Jake DeLome gets sacked, and you can tell he is visibly frustrated. It's third and 14. So, okay, well, Carolina had their chance, but they are going to let St. Louis slip off the hook again, and they're going to punt the football back to him. So it's now third and 14 with the first play of double overtime. Now, before we get to this play, uh, just for a second, double overtime games don't happen that often in the NFL. All right? no. <laughs> there have been six 
in NFL history. Don't ask me about the Jets and the Browns in 86. Uh, the last <laughs> one being when Joe Flacco and the Ravens beat Peyton Manning and the Broncos. Uh, the big Joe Flacco threw that, that big touchdown pass that was like 4,000 feet in the air at the end of regulation. Oh, my goodness, what a big play. But double overtime games just don't happen. And this was clearly a rarity. Like every, you know, Teams are tired. They're trying to figure out punch, counter, punch to make the right play. So now this game goes to double overtime. And just when you're sitting here looking at third and 14, all right, the Panthers are going to wind up not getting a first down. They're going to punt it back to the Rams. The Rams are going to have tough field position. I'm going to go make a sandwich because that that's kind of where you're at. Okay, double <laughs> overtime's coming. Yeah, there's going to be a punt. Yeah, I'm going to make a sandwich. All right. Well, if you made that sandwich, you missed the biggest play of the game called X-Clown. Carolina is sitting in the third and 14. And I don't know if the Rams just relaxed, if they thought we're going to get a, uh, you know, we're going to be able to make this play no matter where the ball is. you, You get that sometimes in the NFL where teams think, okay, this is going to be too tough for them to try to convert this play. Jake DeLome finds Steve Smith wide open for a first down. Right now, what surprises me the most on this play is how open Steve Smith is between three defenders 20 yards downfield. I mean, this is not at the stick. This is not eight yards before the stick where we're going to give him some room and, and tackle him. This is, he is well past the first down marker. He is between three defenders, and Jake DeLome is able to slip the ball into him which blows me away because you could see how soft the Rams were playing. And, you know, even though there's three defenders around him, there was clearly enough room for DeLome to get the ball in. This is where the play turns from really bad for the Rams into tragic because Jason Seahorn, who had had a great career with the New York Giants, but clearly was near his end here with the Rams, comes up to try to make the play and he slips and falls. And Smith catches the pass, races by everybody into the end zone, 69-yard game-winning touchdown on the first play of double OT, and it was shocking, it was sudden, and it was one of those plays where you sit back and go, did that really just happen? Is there a penalty play or something? That really just happened. The game just ended that way. Yeah, nobody around him. I mean, as you say, it's like a box in one, uh, but nobody there to make a play. Right. And Smith, one of my favorite guys, uh, also a guy that likes he's a pugilist, uh, like we were talking about before with uh, the out of the backfield. You got guys, Stephen Davis and he uh, they, they know how to get after it and practices and training camp. Uh, but he finds the seam and he's gone to the races like there's no way the safety coming over the top can make a play. And, and you just see Smith's streak after making one little cut back towards the center of the field. He's gone. There's no chasing him down 69 yards to pay dirt. I mean, that that was uh, the fact that he caught it. Look, Steve Smith made a career of being able to, even though he's a smaller guy, being able to body players off the ball, be able to make plays in the middle of the field. This play was just, I caught it in a bunch of people and made a guy miss. I mean, that was it. This wasn't even one of those, oh, what a great, this was, I got this is what I do as a wide receiver. And and I make one play and Jason Seahorn suddenly it looked like in one play the Rams just went from, you know, we're done. Yeah, you know, we, yeah. It's, it's like when you're playing pickup basketball and you play like three games in a row and you're like, yeah, yeah. And then you start that fourth game and you run up and down the floor once and you go, yeah, no, I'm done. I'm done. Yeah, I'm yeah. done. I'm done. I can't do it. That's kind of what the Rams defense looked like on this play. Yeah, just absolutely insane. One little stutter step to the outside and then a cut back towards the center of the field catches it on a rope and he's gone 
And so John Fox gets the huge win, uh, stunned crowd and, and a lot of standing around. I mean, and, and then you see Aeneas Williams as one of the first guys over to hug after it's like, you don't belong in that uniform. What are you doing that? You know, so, you know, it's, <laughs> I, again, you and I have talked a lot about guys in uniforms that it just doesn't look right. Uh, and that one's you're, you're always a cardinal. Uh, but it's just a, a, a game where you're thinking, all right, we're settling for double OT. You probably still enjoyed your sandwich. I would bet when it was all said and done, uh, you but, got time to make that sandwich. The game's over. What? Rack it back. Rack it back. That's I missed it. it. <laughs> well, here, they're going to show five or six replays to show the heart break and the end of the St. Louis Rams. So the Panthers win. They move on. The Rams, this really was the end of the greatest show on turf. We'll tell you why coming up next and what happened as a result for both of these teams going in completely different directions. It's special teams with Jason Smith and Mike Harmon. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. This is Colin Coward from The Herd with Colin Cowherd. Angie's list is now Angie, the nation's largest home service marketplace. They're here to help homeowners get all their jobs done well. Angie has helped over 150 million homeowners care for their homes. Whatever your home project, big, small, indoor, outdoor, come to Angie to connect with and hire skilled pros to get the job done well. Listen, I've got a couple of things in a bathroom in my house. Got to get it fixed. I don't have time, and I'm not good at it. Angie is. With just a few taps on the app, you can have Angie tackle your home service project start to finish. With over 200,000 pros in their network, Angie makes it easy to research, compare, and hire pros to ensure a job done well. With 29 years of experience combined with new digital tools to simplify the process, Angie makes completing home projects really easy. It's your one-stop shop. Angie can help you find the best price for your project by comparing quotes from multiple pros in just a few taps or book services at an upfront price based on local data. They get the difficulties that can come with home projects. They get it. Why not make it as simple as possible? Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com or download the app today. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details.
What happened to both the Carolina Panthers and the St. Louis Rams following the Panthers' double overtime win 29-23? Well, Panthers went in one direction and the Rams went in the other. Mm. Carolina went on to win the NFC title game over Philadelphia. This when they went into Philadelphia and, and it was coming off a of fourth and 26, a, a previous podcast here on special teams, uh, where the, you thought the Eagles were going to win. They were Destiny's team. Instead, Carolina bludgeoned them with their running game. They made enough plays defensively, and they went on to lose that Super Bowl thriller to the New England Patriots. And still to this day, it's the Carolina Panthers' finest moment in their franchise history this year, getting to the Super Bowl. They come back to earth in 2004. Steve Smith gets hurt. They start one and seven, but this wasn't really the end. I mean, you know, that's the last time we really remember thinking and talking about Jake DeLome, but he actually had three really great seasons in a row from 2003 to 2005. They went 12 and four and won the NFC South in 2008, still with Jake DeLome. Mm-hmm. He had a much better career than he's remembered for, you know, but, then right after that he got paid five years 42 million okay jake delome is still great and then he fell off the face of the earth but overall you look back at jake delome's career and you just think of this one year and how good he was but he was really good for a while this guy doesn't get the credit he was as the kind of quarterback he played in the national football league 59 percent completion rate for his career almost twenty-one thousand passing yards uh, 126 touchdowns against 101 interceptions but combined with some some great work on the defensive end and that running game 56 and 40 as, for his career as a starter uh 53 37 uh seven years in carolina and then a little bit with new orleans cleveland and then the planet houston uh is where things ended up in 2011 but yeah he he had a couple of great seasons a 10 and 5 year an 11 and 5 year a 12 and 4 year uh, a 7 and 6 in 13 starts in 2006 uh, not a, a brilliant touchdown to interception rate, but winning football and a guy that was always there to make a play. I know he showed up on fantasy rosters for a couple of years there. Uh, well, in 2004, he threw 29 touchdowns. I mean, yes, when they went seven did. and nine, he threw 29 touchdowns. He threw 24 the year after that. I mean, he was he was still pretty good. And with a couple of the receivers that, that gave you some run. I mean, you mentioned Smith and the injury. Uh, he, you know, actually put him on the cover. So there's a Harmon cover jinx as well. Uh, the Harmon cover football jinx, book. Yes. Well, they, they gave me the, the budget to go out and get one picture like that for uh, the cover. And then a couple of guys that I was able to, to thread within the text. But I made Steve Smith the cover guy and I got hurt. Ah, uh, well, that happens. The it's Harman, my fault. I'm right like there. Sports Illustrated. Harmon uh, cover jinx. Yeah. You know, DeLome is one of those guys, not quite a game manager, but clearly he's someone, if he came around now, you would say he's somebody that could really do damage as long as he has weapons around him. Almost mm-hmm. like he was kind of like a poor man's Tony Romo. You know, that's kind of how I look back at, at, at DeLome. Look, what Romo was able to do, he had weapons around him for a long time in Dallas. Uh, DeLome had good players around him. Look, he had Steve Smith. He had a good running game. Uh, Moosin Muhammad was good for a few years. He's that kind of guy where you would say now, no, if you have good, play, uh, good weapons around him, he can win you a lot of football games. That's who you'd be right now. Yeah, I, he would, had a nice long career. I mean, and he did here, obviously, you know, getting a, getting a full, what, 11 years in the league before he's out uh, and making himself some, some pretty good coin along the way. But like anything, the evolution of the position as to where guys would, would push forward. This, this is one where if you had that defensive-minded coach like you did here with John Fox, he'd be able to do quite well. It's like just 
just don't throw it away. Just don't, <laughs> just don't give it away. We'll, we'll be in a position to win games. For the Rams, it was a little bit different. In the offseason, Kurt Warner is released. Right? He signs with the Giants. He starts briefly for them before mm-hmm. he loses the job to Eli Manning. Again, he had trouble holding on to the football, and he fumbled a lot. Yep. I thought this was the end of Kurt Warner. All right, Now, he had that late career resurgence with Arizona that saved his Hall of Fame career. You know, I can't say the Rams did the wrong thing by releasing him because it looked to me that the, like the NFL adjusted to him and he got beat up and he couldn't readjust or was slow to readjust. Like he had the one speed he played at. And once the NFL adjusted, it took him a while to find, okay, what do I need to do to readjust? Because that's what all-star players do. If they come out and they play great right away, eventually the league will adjust to you. And then how do you adjust and stay that great player? It just took him a long time. But Kurt Warner leaving the Rams, it was... Even though you could see it coming, it was, well, this is the end. This Rams team that had been so entertaining that came out of nowhere, winning the Super Bowl, beating the Titans, uh, being that offense that that really turned the NFL on its ear. I mean, you know, we had a good four or five-year run of how exciting they were. But even though they made the playoffs one more year, this was really the end because now Warner is gone and, you know, we're moving on. And how good is Mark Bulger? We don't know. And you can tell they're starting to get ready to move on from Marshall Falk as well. So this game, this was their chance. This was, they win, they go to the NFC Championship game and they're playing in Philadelphia and you saw bad Philadelphia played in the NFC title game that Carolina was able to win. I mean, the Rams could have had it in the Super Bowl. I mean, this was a Super Bowl year for them. This was where they should have been a team to, hey, we still have all the talent. We're rolling. Bulger's playing well. Our weapons are still good. Our defense is still good enough. This is a Super Bowl year for us. And instead it turned out to be a couple of steps short. And that really was the, the, the finish of this for them. Yeah, I mean, the big thing with the, the Rams is, you know, they, they achieved, despite the fact, 2003 and 2004, they turned the ball over a ton. That was one thing, you know, be, with the offense March was running, it was the let's take our shots downfield. And you have a guy in Bulger said, okay. I'm going to put the shots up downfield, which is what's going to happen. You're going to turn the ball over a bunch. Uh, not quite Jameis Winston-esque, um, but to that level where you're going to have some bad things happen in between some of the big pushes. So you have back-to-back years of playoffs, and they don't go again until 2017. Yeah. I mean, you got a long run of futility, changing faces, eventually locations. But you got a three-year period where you went three Three wins, two wins, one win. Then you bring in Sam Bradford. He wins the offensive rookie of the year. You go seven and nine under Spagnolo. No, it's way. Because usually when you say seven and nine, oh, yeah, Jeff Fisher, seven and nine. Well, no, because then he goes seven and nine with Bradford in 2010, 2011. They go two and 14, which then brings us to Jeff Fisher. Sure. His first year, he goes seven, eight, and one, then seven and nine. And six and ten with Aaron Donald as a rookie of the year, then seven and nine with Todd Gurley as rookie of the year. You like what I'm doing with that? I see. Uh, And and then you come to then you come to Los Angeles. Look, it was it was a definitely a a period of what is happening, and the Rams are 
turning into one of the downtrodden franchises. Are they ever going to win again? That's how big a year this was. Losing this game, Kurt Warner is gone, right? They give Mark Bulger a contract extension for four more years. They give $19 million, which back then was a pretty big deal for a quarterback. Mm -hmm. He actually starts six more years with the Rams, and he was just okay, mainly because his weapons aged and couldn't really be replaced because the next invention of the Rams wasn't as good and this is why we make the point earlier about how hey warner and bulger look how good they were well when they had great weapons they were really really good when they had hall of fame type weapons they were good when they didn't have hall of fame weapons they struggled so here's bulger who's now got to do it hey i got to figure out how to make it work uh without marshall falk being the guy because he wasn't the guy anymore he had gotten a year older and after this playoff loss the rams decided we needed somebody else because he was getting older they draft steven jackson you know jackson comes in he runs for 600 yards his rookie year but you could tell hey the rams want to make him their feature back somehow they finish eight and eight and they squeak into the playoffs they win the wild card game at seattle and maybe this is all right the rams but no then they get pummeled 47 17 by atlanta and that becomes the last year they finish at 500 as you said until 2017 so that was kind of like the death cry of the greatest show on turf it was really done but nobody knew it uh you know and then but this was the real year when you could say okay where they achieved and they were really good because there was a big drop off from this year to next year where they were lucky to squeeze in at 500 and hey you win one playoff game and all right that's that one little death rattle hey we're still here and then you lose by 30 the week after to the Falcons and then it's really over so you get that eight and eight season you you lose by 30 points and now it's the organizational review of all right where are we at the next year after five games Martz you know he he has to leave so you have Vitt then Linehan who has an eight and eight season but then he goes three and 13 and he gets bounced. This is like the Cleveland Browns and many of these other teams where it's like, <laughs> you don't, you don't get a run, right? Even if you had a good season, right? Cause Linehan goes eight and eight. That usually buys you a little, or at least at the time, yeah, it, does. it would buy it does. you a little more. Instead, he goes three and 13 the next year. And then in 2008, they're start 0 and 4. He's done. Then Hazlitt comes in. He goes two and 10. He doesn't get to stick around. That means Steve Spagnola takes over and you go through this entire thing where you, you know there's no organizational stability direction and the building a program idea that is so novel a concept we see it at least attempted now in miami with brian flores but for the most part this became a all right if you don't win immediately you're done not to mention the whispers of them moving in this whole thing right for those last few years of how long are they sticking around so you you get all of that and it becomes a very troublesome time for the franchise hey this is what happens when your head coach leaves who was the last real link to that offense and that era because Mike Martz leaves. It was his baby. It was his plays, but he kind of had to go. Uh, this is a guy that's going to go down as the greatest offensive coordinator ever. What he did with journeyman quarterbacks and taking talent that nobody thought he could put together and what they did for that run. That was outstanding, but he was so ill-suited to being a head coach, right? He didn't have the charisma, didn't have the ability to deal with other things and added responsibilities outside of play calling that you need to be when you're the head coach. You'd be able to take care of all kinds of things. You can't just be someone calling plays. He was aloof. 
He was above it all. He was elitist. He was at odds with the front office. He was a hard guy to get along with. And when you do that, you cut your half-life in half when you are a coach. If you're tough to get along with and 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 make things difficult, eventually a team's going to go, we don't need you if you're not winning over the top. And, you know, case in point, as you mentioned, he had to leave the team a couple of years later for a heart issue five games in. He said he felt well enough to return for the final game of the season in 2006, and the team said, yeah, no, we don't want you back and you're fired. And that's how it ended for Mike Marsh. You know, he went on to be an offensive coordinator again with the Bears, never reaching these heights. Neither did the, the St. Louis Rams. But this is what it was like for Mike Martz, who had he just been a little bit different, a little bit better suited for being a head coach instead of just blind power. I want to be the head coach. Maybe it would have worked out different for him. Yeah, I mean, he goes and he's a, a coordinator for the Lions, a coordinator for the Bears. But, you know, the end with with the Rams goes to just personality issues to where he wanted to help call plays while he's sitting from his couch. <laughs> so he's got the itch. I'm like, I'm feeling better. Put me I on speaker. I wanna, put me on speaker. I want, they got to be able to hear me on the sideline. Right. And then it's, <laughs> Hey, you know, I want to coach the finale uh, on new year's day. And they told him to beat it. And then they fired him right after. So just a weird end. And, and really there's a lot of, stories in the city as related to uh, Mike Martz and his handling of personnel. But yeah, just a curiosity. I, I think I could do a 10 hour documentary on him. I think there's enough battles and people that, that could fight with him. Let's do that. The last, last, last dance with Mike Martz. <laughs> yes. I like this. So that's what happened to the Rams. And it took them that long as, as you said, to get back to respectability and where they were when they moved to Los Angeles. But for some of the guys in this game, where are they now? Mike Harmon. All right. We got Fred Weary, defensive back. He is part of On the Grind LLC, helping guys with sports marketing and branding opportunities. How you like that? The great Joey Goodspeed. Do you know who Joey Goodspeed? Not great is? speed. He had no, good speed. just good speed. Yeah. Running back out of Notre Dame. Uh, he is a financial advisor in Chicago, helping with retirement and investor advice at Ray- for Raymond James, uh, Lamar Gordon. Working for Delta Airlines in terms of support and logistics. I like that. Add that to your list of fun. And then Dane Looker, school board director. His wife's the high school basketball coach in Puyallup, Washington. I think I said that right. Well, yeah, that's uh, the P-U-L-L-Y-U-P. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. P-U- you see it all the time. Sure. P-U-L-L-U-P, yeah. Uh, based on a Native American tribe, and it means the generous people. Mm. How about that? There's another guy that came from uh, We Laugh, from the World League of American Football. Yeah, certainly. I mean, you got guys between, you know, Warner and his Iowa Barnstormers and World League and getting stung by a bee so he couldn't work out for the Packers. I mean, all of these things of folklore uh, to make this unit what it was. But yeah, Dane Looker, uh, school board director. There you go. He's making making a difference in the classroom. I wonder how he's handling Zoom calls uh, and all the problems <laughs> within his district. Maybe we'll we'll have to look him up. So there it is, the special teams that took part in a legendary playoff game in 2004, the end of the greatest show on turf. I'm Jason Smith. He's Mike Harmon. Our show is heard on Fox Sports Radio Monday through Friday, 10 p.m. to 2 a.m. on the East Coast, 7 to 11 on the West Coast. You got an idea for a future episode of special teams? Hit us up, Twitter at How About a Fresca, Mike at Swollen Dome. We'll talk to you next week with another big-time special teams game.
Before you go, rate and review the show, whether you're listening on iHeartRadio, iHeartRadio apps, Apple, whatever it is. Give us a rate. Tell us you like it. We will love you forever and ever and ever. Special Teams is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Hey guys, back at the playground again, huh? Yep. You know what this playground could use? A wine country. Heck yeah, and some waves. So we could go surfing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> ah, love that. A redwood forest would be cool. I'm in. Ah, ski slopes. Let's do it. Um, tenor girl go shopping. Yeah, baby. Wait. Did we just invent California? Discover why California is the ultimate playground at visitcalifornia.com.